0: Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from Forthright Women themselves. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to Forthright Women. I am Anne Candido, and I am joined today by the other half of Forthright Women and Forthright People, my amazing co-founder,
0: April Martini. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here today.
1: <laughs> like you had a choice, but okay. Um, so with that, what we would like to talk about today is the third week of our program, which is called Stand in Your Power, Redefine the Art of Being an Executive Mom, and that's about Creating More Capacity. So last time we talked about getting out of your own way, which you needed to be able to do first mm-hmm. in order to be able to see and realize that there is choice to be made. Now it's about okay, well, now how do I create that capacity so that I can actually live into those choices that I want to make? Right. Yep. So April, maybe you could talk a little bit more about this and and
0: what it means to create more capacity. Yeah, absolutely. So. One of the things we talk about often at Fourth Rate People in general, for all people, not just women, is this idea of vigilant leadership. And we really believe that vigilant leadership is the way in which to create capacity as an overall discipline. So for those of you that are not familiar haven't heard this term from us before, first of all, shame on you for not listening to us more often. Um, (laughs) But seriously, though, vigilant leadership is our coined term for the art of leading from afar. And really what that means is getting out of other people's ways and then empowering them so that they can excel and then you can get on to other things. Historically, we talk about this a lot on the fourth rate people side around professional relationships but when we think about it in the context of all the things we're trying to do at fourth rate women and all the conversations we've had it's doing it across the board in your life Mm -hmm. and so that means yes at work but it also means at home and that can be a little bit of a rub or we get kind of the head tilt from people when we talk about it that way because you don't think about managing your quote-unquote home life the way you manage your teams at work right But actually, it can be a really easy way, especially if you are a really good leader at work and you practice this idea of empowering people, and that's always your goal, and you're helping the whole team rise, and all of those kinds of things. If you take that approach and you instill it on your home, people may balk in the beginning (laughs) at it, but it can be a really good way to help all of your family members, whether it's your spouse or your kids. Find ways to feel empowered like there are things that they can go and do on their own. And I'm going to make this controversial statement. I am guilty of it myself. But I am certain that if you take a look at your home life, there's a handful of things you can immediately tick off as being offloadable to another member of your house that you just do because you've always done it. Which really leads to the next question, which is, Can you give some examples of what those are, April, and how it's impacted (laughs) your life? I absolutely can do that. And I will give some really highly tactical ones. So one is, I've said it a million times, Bryce travels a ton. That's my husband. Um, So when he is home and in town, he takes to and from all practices, Mm -hmm. period. And that often requires him to leave work an hour earlier than he typically would. Another one is my son Sam is seven years old. He is responsible for charging his computer at night. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't do it himself, it does not get charged. Both of my kids are responsible for assisting in packing their lunches, so we do it together. The reason they can't do it alone is because they're not equipped to use knives yet to cut apples, basically, (laughs) is what it comes down to. So I'm typically doing the cut the apples and add the cinnamon. They are now taking their own showers at night with, No oversight from either of us, and they're required to do that if they want to come downstairs for their 30 minutes of pad time with us before they go back up to bed. And one of them each morning is responsible for feeding the dog. So we got a puppy this year. We're not quite at the stage yet where they can go pick up the poop in the yard. I'm dying for that day. Um, But they can very easily go and scoop the food and fill up her water bowl. And we've instilled in them that they wanted a puppy. And so they have to help take care of her as well.
1: So those are good examples. And I can say that those are a great way to start. And now that I have teenagers, we've gotten into things like they do their own laundry. Uh-huh. They've been doing their own laundry since they were in middle school. Yep. It is very easy to do laundry. There is no reason <laughs> you need to do their laundry. Now, in some cases, some people are letting their kids do their laundry. I'm like, I would never do that in a million yeah, years. No, no, no. But um, that is, a, that is, a, I think, one that helps them understand the value and the benefit of actually having some responsibility for themselves and taking responsibility for themselves. But I think in order to do that... There's a couple of things that you have to really acknowledge, and one that there's going to be unavoidable consequences. Yep. Right. So if Sam doesn't charge his pad and or his computer, and it's dead, it's dead. You can't keep saving them every time they mess up. Now, if the first time or the second time, all right, you know, they're learning still. Mm-hmm. You know, to be you know drawing the hard line at the very beginning, but at some point they have to learn that their actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. And so that's helps them take responsibility for themselves, which is, I think one of the biggest gifts that you can give little kids. Um, and so that they can grow into more responsible teenagers. Yep. Uh, the other thing is, and April, maybe you could speak to this one a little bit is like having to let go of control a little bit about
0: (laughs) how you you would do it. Are you calling me a control freak?
1: Um, well, the shoe fits, um, (laughs) and it does here. Um, (laughs) yes, I guess I
0: (laughs) am. Yeah, so I'll give another thing that we've done, which is um, since we've moved to the new house, which has been about a year, Bryce does all the laundry in the house. This has been a major point of contention. This is one we are still working through. Yes, yes. Anne hears about it all the time. But my control freak nature is one where I would do a load of laundry most days of the week and put it away when it was on my plate. And the reason was because it was more manageable that way. He does not do that. He's also not here every day of the week. So it piles up. He's really good at washing it. He's pretty good at folding it. He's horrible at putting it away. (laughs) I have to just get over that. And we've had several conversations and several resets about expectations. And he was not wrong when he said to me, if you give me something to do, you can't then tell me to do it your way. And so when I am offloading things, part of it is that savior mentality. Like if I see Sam's computer not charged, you know, 50-50. Sometimes I say, Sam, where's your computer? And if he doesn't hop up and charge it, I'm like, meh. And sometimes I don't say anything, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm picking and choosing where to save him. But the control is the other side of things. And so another example I'll give is I make the kids take all of their personal items upstairs each night or take it down to the basement. We don't have toys on the first floor anymore. We have only art supplies. Mm-hmm. Their closets in their rooms right now are an effing disaster because every time I say clean your room for the cleaning lady, they just throw it all in the closet. <laughs> I desperately, desperately want to get in there and clean it all out. But I have decided with myself that we're going to wait for like a Saturday that's rainy and crappy outside and there's nothing to do and we're going to do it together and we're going to talk then about how you keep yourself organized. Now, there's seven and four. Do I think it's really going to happen that way? No, but it'll be an opportunity to clean out the clutter. But old April would go in there. Yes, I'm talking third person. And clean the crap out of that closet on my own and get a lot of satisfaction out of it, but that I know that that's not the right thing. And it's also like, do I really want to spend three hours of my time cleaning their closets? I don't. I have plenty of other stuff to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the, the trap that we fall into, right? Mm-hmm. We get stuck in our own values and, and then imposing those values onto others yep. where it really does it matter. Yes. No, it doesn't. I mean, and that's the thing at the end of the day that sometimes I think helps to unlock this – like dilemma of what do I go do? Yep. It's like, does it really matter? And I I love what you said about sometimes you do have to do some things just to save your sanity. If the computer was done the next day, it's not the end of the world, but in a moment where you're like trying to do everything you're trying to do, then it's probably not worth the teaching moment Mm -hmm. for that one at that opportunity. You kind of have to pick and choose when you're going to have your teaching moments. But the point is to have teaching moments. Yes. Right. And not to just enable the kids by giving them everything that they need when they need it, when they want it, when they have two legs and two arms and can are probably capable of doing it themselves. Right. Yes. And and sometimes I think and, and we've seen this with the people that we coach, they they hold on a little bit too long. Yes. And yes. I think it, and, and and that's sometimes a I'm just gonna say it's a selfish thing of wanting your kids to need you, feeling needed. And if that's you, it's been us too. So don't feel like we're judging whatsoever. But it is one of those things where it's kind of like your a light bulb goes on. It's like, oh, is this more about me than it is about them? And you have to really go through that dilemma in your mind about if I could let go of that, what kind of capacity can I open up, which is the point of this point, right? And then have some time to do other things.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I, I will say to that point, I mean, mine are seven and a half and four and a half. We've left the little baby stage. There are moments where it makes me sad. Yeah. And so that's very real emotion to experience, but you're exactly right. You can't then project that onto them. The best thing for me is the moments where I watch them go and do things themselves or help each other to do things with each other. And those moments have to overtake my personal sadness that I no longer have this tiny, chubby, squishy, cute little (laughs) two or three year old. Right. So.
1: Well, and I think as they grow older, since I'm on the other side of that, I can tell you from hanging out with my girlfriends who have kids who are teenagers as well, I really enjoy my teenagers. We have a ton of fun together, but because they act a little more like people Mm -hmm. than they do teenagers. Now, do we have the teenage stuff? Yes, my, my daughter is going to be 19 in May and my other daughter is getting ready to be 16 in August. So yes, we have the teenage stuff. But- They're more fun because we can go and we can do vacations and we can go shopping and we can do these other things and we have a common understanding and a common respect for each other that I don't see in other parents and teenagers because their teenagers are still acting like kids, Mm -hmm. right? So they don't get that opportunity for that bond that's so much fun if you can develop your kids into people and the earlier the better. That doesn't mean you don't love them. That doesn't mean you don't take care of them. That doesn't mean you... Stop them from like jumping off a roof. But like (laughs) there is an element of that. And I'm not saying I've done everything right. Believe me, I have not done everything right. But just kind of being on the other side of it, when people ask me, you know, what would you have done differently or what are you happy that you've done? I think the big thing I would say is I'm glad I raised my kids to be people and I'm glad I raised them very early to understand that.
0: Yes. I, I mean, we are the exact same philosophy here. Kids are just small people, small people. Yeah, I
1: agree. All right, let's head into some quick fire. Are you ready for this, April? Did you practice quick fire? I practiced
0: being concise, so we will see how I do today. But I did. This is a weakness. We all know it. I love to talk. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm
1: going to start with one that You didn't actually have on your list, but I think it's relevant. Damn it. And just to kind of like really flip you for a loop. So if we're talking about creating capacity, if you had an extra hour of your day, what would you do with it? I would take a bath. Oh, You know, I really would love to take a bath, but you know what? I don't have in my... A tub.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I I do this on the, I do this, I try to on one of the weekend days. So not, I can't do it every day, but once a week I do try. One, I mean, I work out a lot. I'm hard on my body. But this is one of the ways uh, that my kids have learned that if I'm upstairs in the bath, it's alone time for mom. And so I don't get it every day, but I do most weeks if we're in town on the weekends, I do it one day.
1: I love that. And I love the fact that it's something different than like filling it with more social scrolling and stuff like that, which is, again, a default.
0: Yes. And I try to read an actual physical book while I do it. I love that. So like the tactile nature of the experience because we are on computers and phones so much. Mm, Great. All right, April. Dream vacation, tropical beach or exotic city? I have a really hard time with this one. And what I've realized about myself is it depends on what's going on in my life at any given moment. I love the beach. Mm -hmm. I love the water. I love even, it doesn't even have to be an ocean. Like I love going to Michigan and the sand and, you know, the lake is also totally fine. So generally speaking, it is some sort of tropical destination. I love the heat and the sun and all of that. But there is part of me that really is drawn to city living. Mm -hmm. And so exploring cities, I would, you know, and especially as the kids get older, we can get more into this. I just said to Bryce the other day, I can't wait to take them to Europe. And all of that would be city-based for me. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, right now we're very beach because I need a lot of relaxation time in my life because I spend a lot of time with Anne. No, I'm just kidding. That's not not what you said yesterday. So there you go. And so what would be your first city you would go to so we were talking about that too I would actually take them to London and that's because Bryce hasn't been there either and I went there alone for a few weeks for a job Mm -hmm. for well with one of our companies we had an office there and it's a city that I've explored completely on my own and so it would be fun to take them all together there for the first time Hmm. okay
1: All right, social media or social life?
0: Ugh, social life. We have to be in social media for our business, and I get it. And I don't know. I have very much a love-hate relationship with social media. I have been trying to proactively not do the mindless scrolling anymore. I try to do it with more intention around, okay, we want to build community around the business. So where can I be going in and liking and commenting on stuff in a meaningful way versus just getting caught in the loop? And there are certain groups that are maybe my kryptonite that I just am trying to (laughs) avoid where I can lose 20 minutes of time. You know, it's a very real thing. The other thing that I will say is I try, speaking of vacations, to no longer post until we're not on the vacation anymore. Mm. And I only do one post. And so it's a, if we're driving home or if we're, you know, the next couple days, whatever, not to be thinking about what am I going to post about this vacation, but actually being in the moment with my family or, I mean, whoever we're on the trip with.
1: I like that. All right. Well, awesome, April. Thank you for being on this edition of Forthright Women Podcast. And thank you for being a Forthright Woman all day long. (laughs) Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.